I think newsletters are tremendous for syndicators in terms of building an audience and building that investor pool that will be there when you need it. A newsletter is a great way to kind of build that consistency, like block out the time to do it, know what you want to talk about, just have it be authentically you. And the world responds to authenticity. Welcome to the Apartment Investing Journey, where we explore every facet of multifamily investing and development with top investors, brokers, and service providers who share their strategies, successes, and secrets to help you on your apartment investing journey. Hey guys, David Robinson here. Welcome to the Apartment Investing Journey. I've got a guest today that I think will offer some insight and direction as it relates to an adjacent aspect of our business. And uh, she's someone that uh, has a wealth of knowledge as it relates to REITs and crowdfunding. And so Deidre Woolard, I'm excited to have you on the show and excited to dive into a conversation with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So Deidre is a writer and editor with two decades of experience in covering all aspects of real estate from luxury residential real estate to the latest in prop tech. Her passion for real estate writing started when she created the first estate of the day column online for her interest in the business, but her interest in the business began long before that. Real estate investing is a family tradition, and she hails from a long line of landlords, renovators, and contractors currently invested from Massachusetts to California. She created the Ask a Realtor feature at Realtor.com and has led marketing and communications at top residential real estate brokerages. She has a MFA in writing from Spalding University and is currently writing a book on real estate crowdfunding, which she believes is poised for a massive upswing. So obviously, Deidre, we want to get into that aspect of the business. But before we do, our podcast is all about the journey. So we'd like to just hear about uh, how you've gotten to where you're at today. So if you don't mind, back up and tell us where it all began for you. Yeah, I just love writing about real estate. Yeah, like the bio said, uh, my family has been involved in real estate. So I grew up around that, around a lot of people who renovated properties, bought and sold properties, things like that. And uh, really writing about real estate sort of happened kind of organically because I was working a professional blog that eventually became part of America Online, started learning about real estate, started talking to real estate agents, and just got more and more involved in the business, which then led me to Realtor.com, worked for them for a couple of years, learned even more. And I really wanted to see what the brokerage side was like. So uh, did that in Los Angeles, which is a an amazing place to learn about real estate because there are so many fascinating deals. And so now I've been with The Motley Fool for a couple of years, helping them grow their real estate division and writing about REITs, real estate crowdfunding, real estate education in, in general as rental properties, as well as kind of everything else. I mean, the great thing about real estate, right? There's so many different ways to invest in it. It's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and excited to get into your uh, specialty here in a moment. As it relates to Motley Fool, uh, why don't you just briefly describe Motley Fool for our listeners that may not be familiar? So our goal is to make people smarter, happier, and richer through investing. And so through the uh, side that I do, it's through real estate investing. So we give a lot of information on 
stocks. We have stock picking services. On the real estate side, we have a couple of real estate services that give advice on REITs, real estate equities, uh, individual crowdfunded deals that are available for accredited investors. Really thinking about all the different ways that people can make money in real estate investing without necessarily owning property directly. Yeah, love it. And so how long have you been working for Motley Fool and specifically writing on the topic of, of REITs and crowdfunding? Uh, I've been with The Motley Fool for about two and a half years. All right. Great. Great. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what you've learned in the last two and a half years and, and longer and writing specifically about REITs and crowdfunding. If you don't mind, just maybe give us an overview of a, what what is a REIT, and, uh, and then we can talk about crowdfunding as well. Sure. So a REIT is a real estate investment trust, and there are multiple types of REITs. The ones that you probably hear about uh, in the stock market are equity REITs, because there's equity REITs and mortgage REITs, equity REITs invest in properties, mortgage REITs invest in debt. There's non-traded REITs as well, but most of what we talk about at The Motley Fool is those REITs that you can buy on the stock market, and they cover all kinds of sectors. You've got multifamily REITs, of course. You've got industrial, office REITs, life sciences, uh, data centers, and uh, cell towers and communications. So it's an interesting way to diversify because people want to diversify into real estate in general. But within REITs, there's a whole other level of diversification across different sectors or geography and things like that. Yeah. And if one was to make the argument for investing in a REIT versus uh, you know what we do or a lot of our guests do, which is syndication, how would you describe the, the pros and cons of investing in a REIT versus syndication? Well, I would never say do one over the other because REITs are such a great way to get involved on a small scale and have something stable that you hold for a long time and gradually, you know, delivers nice little dividends into your into your pocket. So I would say both. I, I would say that the great thing about REITs is that diversification factor. So if you're invested in a syndication deal in one particular place and you feel like you've got enough in multifamily, then look at a warehouse REIT somewhere else and and kind of catch that trend too. REITs are a great way to play out some of those larger trends that are happening in our world. Uh, you know, everything with warehouses, e-commerce, all of that. Investment in biotech translates to life science real estate. So there are ways that you can use what's happening in the world and kind of connect that back to real estate. Yeah. And uh just from a very uh, technical perspective, uh, investing in a REIT is just like investing in a stock, if I understand it correctly. Mm -hmm. And you uh, have a lot of the benefit of owning the real estate, although that you don't own the real estate, you own the stock in the company that owns the real estate. And yes. therefore, you don't have the same tax advantages as you would if you were directly investing into a property or into a syndication. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. The uh, the tax benefits in that case go to the company. So one of the things that makes REITs different from stocks is they have to pay out 90% of their income in dividend. So that's why REITs uh, generally pay out a dividend. But yeah, they get the benefit of the depreciation. So one of the things with REITs, you're looking at, instead of looking at like earnings per share that you would with stocks, you end up looking at funds from operation because earnings per share won't quite work out because they're taking the advantage of that depreciation. And I'm sure that there's a wide range of investment opportunity inside of REITs. Uh, that being said, 
Is there a minimum investment in a REIT? And uh, what would you say is sort of the typical investment amount that you can place into a REIT? There really isn't a typical amount. It's like stocks. You can you can start with ten to fifteen dollars for mm. some companies, and some companies are a couple hundred dollars a share. It varies so widely. I see. Okay. And then, as it relates to the concept of crowdfunding, you mentioned in your bio that you believe that you know crowdfunding is poised for a massive upswing. Maybe just give us a broad overview of what crowdfunding is, how it's sort of risen up, and and where you think it's going in the future. Crowdfunding is fascinating to me. So you, it kind of breaks out into two groups, which is the accredited investors, which you have to have a, a minimum income threshold. Those are you're generally investing, you know, starting at maybe ten thousand dollars into individual uh, CRE deals. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect that's really kind of growing more is uh, Regulation A funds, which are more like funds that are open to anyone. Uh, You've probably heard of Fundrise and things like that. Those are ones that anyone can invest in and you can get started with a really low minimum and they invest in a variety of of properties and then it kind of grows over time. So crowdfunding is interesting because I think that developers are really figuring out now that they can get a lot of money gathered together from a bunch of retail investors instead of always having to work with institutional investors. Yeah. And so is that the main reason why you think it's poised for an upswing? Is developers see it as a as a, a sort of an easier path to uh to gathering the equity that they need to complete their projects? Or is there something else going on uh in the industry itself that would lead for crowdfunding to you know take off in, in the coming years? I think the thing that's interesting to me is is it's the retail investors are so interested in this idea that, hey, I can get started in real estate on a small level with not a lot of money. And what does that look like? And one of the things I like about some of these companies like Fundrise, uh, like Ground Floor, is they give you a little bit of a taste of what real estate is like. So Ground Floor uh, is an example. It's a peer-to-peer lending. So you're you're maybe putting in like $50 on an individual, someone else's like fix and flip single family. So it's a chance to sort of learn how to think about deals and how to evaluate deals. REITs kind of have that same benefit too. I think that all of these things are great schools for helping to get ready to understand bigger things like direct investing or syndication deals. Yeah, it seems uh, you know a low barrier to entry. You don't mm-hmm. maybe you don't have the same uh, tax advantages that you would in investing in a syndication, but uh, your you know minimum investment in a REIT obviously <laughs> you can as you already described you can invest very very little in some of these uh, the the crowdfunding platforms. Is there a minimum investment in that type of uh, in that type of platform? It varies by platform. Uh, for the non-accredited investors, they they like to keep it pretty low. Like I think with ground floor, you can get started with like you can invest as little as $10 on one of their uh, fix and flip properties. So you really can start very, very small. I mean, you're not going to get huge returns at that level either. And But that's in some ways, that's not entirely the goal. The goal is to get started, I think, and then returns come over time. And so if you can help us to understand maybe how is Fundrise different than a syndication? 
Fundrise is more kind of functions maybe more like a REIT in that you're investing into a company that's in then making a lot of individual investments. So like one of the things of Fundrise, I interviewed their CEO recently, and he was talking a lot about how build to rent, uh, single family build to rent is huge for them. They worked with uh, DR Horton, which is one of the bigger home builders and bought like a whole community. So you're investing with other people in the things that, that a company like that is investing in. I see. And so this is more of a, a fund that you're investing mm-hmm. in rather than a syndication, which would be a one-off project where you're investing specifically in one asset. The fund is uh, where you're investing into the fund and then the fund goes and acquires properties that are a match for the description of that fund. So I'm interested in hearing about your experience as a writer in the real estate world. As uh, syndicators, many of our listeners are syndicators. They're building their businesses. And one of the biggest challenges they run into is that early on, they are able to raise funds from people that are already in their network, right? People that they already know, they already have a relationship with, and uh, they recognize who they are. They have a level of trust with them and they're willing to invest their money into their deal. But as they get a deal two, three in, they recognize that they'll eventually run out of equity if they just stay focused on their own circle of influence. And so growing outside of just their own personal network is one of the challenges that many would-be syndicators face. And so I'm curious what you've learned from a writing perspective that works well for obviously Motley Fool is a very big website. Uh, you focus on an aspect of that website, but are there any tips, strategies, suggestions that you would offer to syndicators who are looking to produce content that would attract prospective investors to their business? I love this question so much. I recently interviewed Matt Faircloth, who wrote uh, Raising Private Capital. And one of the things he talked about is how do you do this? And part of that is you have to demonstrate kind of who you are. And writing is a great way to do that. Video is a great way to do that. Photos, sharing your journey, sharing the individual process of a project. I have found that there is such an appetite online for not, I wouldn't call them horror stories, but definitely the stories where you know you you take a property and it's not so pretty, and you share all the not pretty p- parts of it, and then you show the finished project. I know a lot of people that I know that are fix and flippers or developing apartment buildings. They talk a lot about that, and they've built they've sort of almost accidentally built a video or an Instagram following just because they're sharing what they're doing. Lots of people see it and then they think, hey, I want to be part of your next deal. Where where are you going next? So it's really, it's a fun thing to do. It's, it's, I think it's awkward for some syndicators at first to think of themselves almost like as a brand or, or a channel. But once you do that, you find that people really are interested. I mean, the HGTV exists for a reason. We, we all love to talk about real estate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm curious if there's been any topics that you've uh, written on that have really just surprised you with the level of response and interaction? Is there anything that sort of stood out to you that really resonated with your listeners or your readers that was surprising to you? 
I think what was surprising to me was during the pandemic, talking about eviction moratoriums and talking about it from the landlord perspective, I think was really interesting because there was not a lot of conversation about what it meant for landlords and how landlords were were suffering in the pandemic. There was so much focus on the individual tenants. So one of the things we were able to do was really give information to landlords, talk about the landlord problems. And I was really surprised by the response there and by how many landlords were just, you know, looking for someone to actually understand that they were going through a lot of challenges. Yeah. And uh, I just had another question come to mind. I, w- I was curious for for those syndicators, maybe a follow up to our uh, to the previous question, but for those syndicators that realize, hey, I've got to be producing more content. I've got to be uh, I've got to be putting uh, content out there that will track prospective investors so that I can uh, grow my investor network. And they just don't know where to start or how to go about writing. Are there any strategies that you've implemented? Obviously, you've been writing for a very, very long time. You have a, a, a long career in this space. What are some of the tips and strategies, tricks of the trade that help you to be able to produce content consistently on a regular basis? You got to schedule it out. It's it's like the gym or anything else. You got to you got to put it on the calendar. You got to block it off and and do it. Uh, I think one of the things that people say is I don't have anything to talk about. And then and then you ask them a couple of questions about their business, and all these great stories spill out. So sometimes you just have to sit with yourself for a little while. So many people. I mean, you have a phone in your pocket, so you probably have photos, videos, that sort of thing. You can use those and start writing about that. Gives you a little bit of an idea. Of what to kind of talk about. I think newsletters are tremendous for syndicators in terms of building building an audience and building that investor pool that will be there when you need it. So a newsletter is a great way to kind of build that consistency. Like tell yourself you're going to send out a newsletter once a month and just kind of block out the time to do it, know what you want to talk about. Don't try to like prepackage it or get somebody else to do it. Just have it be authentically you and the world responds to authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, a professional writer like you, what does, uh, what does the average day in the life of a professional writer in the real estate space look like? Well, I've been editing and writing and mm. doing multimedia. So my world is kind of all over the place. But I think for a lot of writers, it's really a lot of time spent on researching topics, interviewing people, talking to people, looking at at some of the data out there. We're doing a lot of stories right now about things that uh, all varieties of investors should do for 2022. So, you know, what should short-term rental investors be thinking about right now? What should multifamily operators be thinking about right now? What kinds of concerns are coming up? So, a lot of the things that right that that my team is working on right now is kind of talking to people and figuring out what they're worried about, what are, the, what are their concerns, as well as looking at the sort of like larger economic picture and how all that's going to factor in. Are we going to have inflation? What's happening with the supply chain and how is that impacting people who are trying to renovate or build? So many different major topics happening right now. Yeah. And I'm curious. So if you were to break down the percentage of research to writing, how much time you spend in research versus actually physically writing, what would that look like? I would say it's probably two thirds research. Because once, because if you're if you're well prepared, then 
then the writing part is is the easier part. It's the it's the knowing what you want to write and knowing how you want to write it and what you want the person to to take away from it. Because everything we write at the Motley Fool, it has a mission. It's then the mission is to make someone understand a specific aspect of what we're trying to show them, what we're seeing, what they can take away from it for their own investing career. So we really yeah. think kind of audience first. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, obviously if you're writing on a topic that you're already very, very familiar with, you know, spending more time, uh, I guess there would be less preparation, less research. But if you're diving into a topic that uh, is uh, maybe on the outskirts of your specialty, more research would be required, obviously. Well, look, Deidre, I've enjoyed our conversation. This is, uh, you know, a little bit different. I've had a few guests recently where I've brought them in because they have an expertise or a perspective that's a little bit different than what our traditional, you know, multifamily investor or syndication would bring to the table. And so it's always good to have uh, fresh ideas and concepts that we have to learn and potentially integrate into our business. Is there anything that we uh, haven't discussed as it relates to crowdfunding or REITs that you would like to share with our listeners that would be helpful to them? I think I would just encourage people to check out what's out there. Read a lot of reviews on crowdfunding before you get started. There's some there's some great operators out there. There are some ones that are a little little dodgy. Always do your homework. I mean, we all we all know that and. Be willing to experiment. I mean, this is what crowdfunding and REITs, it's a great place to start thinking about real estate. And if you're curious about other sectors or curious about investing in other places, this is a great place to play. Yeah, love it. Well, uh, Deidre, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your thoughts and insights with us. Uh, What's the best way for our listeners to connect with you and and learn more about what you have going on or read uh, future articles that you write? So uh, the Motley Fool website is at millionacres.com. Great. Millionacres.com. Great. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. So if you want to connect, read more about what Deidre is focused on, please click on that link and go connect with her. Deidre, I appreciate you coming on and I hope to connect with you again soon. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, before you go, if you and I haven't connected yet, please head on over to canovocapital.com. You can join our investor network or download our free Passive Investor's Guide to Multifamily Syndications. Either way, I'd love to connect with you personally. Also, I just want to thank you for listening to the show and providing feedback and reviews. If you haven't already, please, please, please take a second and leave us a rating and written review. This helps us to be found by new listeners and helps us attract great guests in the future. Thanks again for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great day.